peace of Christ be with you. Let's begin by slowing down, by being here, by taking a few deep breaths that we might be made more aware of the presence of the Spirit in, with, and among us. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. Please join me in the call to worship. This is a house of prayer and dreaming. We look for the Spirit's guidance. This is a place of teaching and sharing. We look for ways to grow in knowledge and wisdom. This is a community of care and support. We look for authentic relationship. All who hunger gather gladly, holy manna is a bread. Come from wilderness and wandering, here in truth we will be fed. You that yearn for days of fullness, all around us is our food. Taste and see the grace eternal. Taste and see that God is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Never strangers, seeker be a welcome guest. Come from restlessness and roaming, here in joy we keep the feast. We that once were lost and scattered, in communion's love have stood. Taste and see the grace eternal, taste and see that God is good. All who hunger sing together, Jesus Christ is living bread. Come from loneliness and longing, here in peace we have been led. Blessed are those who from this table live their days in gratitude. Taste and see the grace eternal, taste and see that God is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I do want to welcome you to worship at Westminster, however you have found us. Whenever you happen to be watching this worship video, it is good to be worshiping with you virtually. Let us join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. God, just as you came to the ancestors in spirit and truth, we come in hope and trust. We have not always trusted in your grace, leading us to either grasp more than we need 
or conclude that we are less than you have made us to be. Lead us into the realization of plenty, that there is enough to go around, that we are enough by virtue of baptism, not any outward achievement. Confident in the abundance of you, make us better sharers of what there is. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, hear the good news of the gospel. In Christ, there is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We are forgiven. We are set free. We are made new. Thanks be to God. Amen. One of the ways in which we build up this community is by sharing our, our joys and our sorrows, our burdens as well as our causes for celebration. If you're watching on a platform where you can do this easily, I invite you to share whatever you'd like to lift up for the community in the, the chat or message function or communicate that to one of the staff at the church so that we can be in prayer with and for you. And I'll lead us now in a prayer that will invite those offerings as well so that you could lift them up simply in the quiet of your own heart or in the room and in the company in which you're sharing this worship. Let us pray. Gracious God, you are within all the joys of our lives. You are the source of all things and all things which are good. And so we name before you that which gives us deep and lasting joy, that for which we're thankful and those for whom we are thankful. It is because of our taste of goodness, O oh God, that we also know the taste of bitterness. And so we also name those people in places and situations that cause us dis-ease, suffering, worry, and fear, knowing that somehow you are in these things too. And through you and through your bond given to one and us, to us with one another, we can endure. Whether or not we have that trust this moment, we ask for it in your name. Oh God, we offer all the prayers spoken and unspoken, those yet unformed but incubating in our hearts right now. Knowing that each prayer is an offering sorts to you and we give it in the name of the one who gave everything for us Jesus the Christ who taught us to pray saying our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is the Sunday of the month when we offer a birthday blessing. So if this is your birthday month or if you missed your birthday month, 
a poem for you. Cocoon by Naya Hardman. My Nana be born caterpillar, but she didn't stay that way. How silly it is to live a beginning so different from the end. Scrunched up on ground, not knowing you will soon be cousins with the sky. My Nana be pretty wings and all. Fluttering on by one stroke at a time, she be free. Tempting the fate of gravity. Flying high, flying neat, she laughs and music is born, wings beating to the beat. When she come around, the air grows sweet with rhythm and blues. She be queen bee and bee bee her king. Line dancing through the clouds, my Nana be butterflying in every sense of the word. Sees the world as her canvas and uses her wings to paint life onto every surface she kisses. And man, do them wings glisten. Something straight out of a Maxwell song, too pretty to remain on ground, so sky is where she be. And man, does she be flying. When you've lived how she lived on the other end, you learn to never let go of freedom's hand, never forget its taste. She flies as if the moment she stops, she will plummet to ground again. My Nana be caterpillar at heart, not knowing why she was gifted such beautiful rebirth, but knowing that it is here now and here it will stay, at least she prays. My Nana be born hopeless, but she didn't stay that way. May you too not stay that way. May you too find your wing. May you give thanks for the year that has been and be blessed in what is to come in the year ahead. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord's countenance be lifted up to you. And may you have peace. This is our time of discovery, a special time for our young ones or those who are young at heart. Now, if you have been with us over this past year, you have gotten to know a number of superheroes that Jeff introduced you to, stand-ins for the real superheroes, you, you who've gone through this year with such courage and vulnerability and strength really been something to watch. Now I want to talk to you, imagine with you, about a, a, another kind of superhero. I mean, if we could design a superhero, what kind of superhero would we design? Who would it be? What if we, here's an idea, what if we designed a superhero, or what if there were a superhero that wasn't a person, but was a donkey? Seems strange, doesn't it? Can you imagine a donkey, but not just any old donkey, but this is a donkey that had special powers. This donkey could see things that people couldn't see. In fact, in one story, this donkey could see angels that the person riding the donkey, riding it like a horse, couldn't even recognize. Donkey could see the angels, but the person couldn't. And the donkey responded to what the angels were doing, but the person didn't even know. And finally, when it got so frustrated with the person, and the angels probably did too, the donkey was able to talk to the person. 
Can you imagine a talking donkey? Well, what if I told you I didn't make that up? What if I told you it's not even from a comic book or a superhero cartoon? What if I told you that story is in the Bible? Yeah? You've been talking about nature and animals and all kinds of ways in which God works. And today in Sunday school, whether you come in person or you watch online, will be about that story. And I wonder what it will be about for you. I wonder if animals can really hear God, can really see angels. I wonder if donkeys can hear them talk. And, and I wonder what the angels say to the animals and what God says. I wonder what animals have to teach us. I wonder what they have to teach us about God. I wonder what you'll learn in Sunday school. Go now in peace, go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. Our first scripture reading today comes from the book of Genesis. Listen for how the Spirit may be speaking to you through these words. Then Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was hurriedly brought out of the dungeon. When he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not I. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing on the banks of the Nile and seven cows, fat and sleek, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Then seven other cows came up after them, poor, very ugly, and thin. Never had I seen such ugly ones in all of the land of Egypt. The thin and ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows. But when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had done so, for they were still as ugly as before. Then I awoke. I fell asleep a second time. And I saw in my dream seven ears of grain, full and good, growing on one stalk, and seven ears, withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind, sprouting after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. But when I told it to the magicians, there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that come up after them are seven years, as are the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. 
It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what God is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. After them will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land. The plenty will no longer be known in the land because of the famine that will follow, for it will be very grievous. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a man who is discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plenteous years. Let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and lay up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to befall the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find anyone else like this, one in whom is the Spirit of God? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only with regard to the throne will I be greater than you. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Second reading comes from Mark's Gospel, the eighth chapter, verses 14 to 21. Listen not only for what I read, but for what the Spirit is trying to say. Now the disciples had forgotten to bring any bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And Jesus cautioned them, saying, Watch out. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. They said to one another, it is because we have no bread. And becoming aware of it, Jesus said to them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and fail to see? Do you have ears and fail to hear? And do you not remember? When I broke five loaves, for the 5,000, how many baskets full of bro broken pieces did you collect? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of bro broken pieces did you collect? And they said to him, seven. Then he said to them, do you not yet understand? This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Just a few weeks ago, on May 23rd, we lost Eric Carl. Now, if that name means anything to you, no doubt there are images popping up in your mind of uniquely illustrated children's books, fashioned by taking tissue paper and dipping them in paint and forming the figures and characters of the stories, perhaps the most famous of which, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Sold over 50 million copies, chronicles a journey literally through all kinds of food that a caterpillar takes from being a caterpillar to a beautiful butterfly. But of course, the food isn't the point. 
Well, over the next year, we will be drawing our readings in worship from uh, an alternative lectionary of sorts, a supplemental book put together of readings uh, that are a complement to the three-year cycle of lectionary readings many churches use and we have used from time to time. As we emerge from this, it's kind of a, this, this time of pandemic and difference, it's kind of nice to have a breath of fresh air and some perhaps different readings. And it's clear that the editor of this lectionary brought these two texts together along with two others you didn't hear because he saw the connection of food, of bread, thinking it was about bread. In the Genesis account, Joseph warns Pharaoh that seven years of plenty will be followed by seven years of famine, and so convinces the Pharaoh to store up grain so the people have something to eat in the years to come. Now, often, simplistically, Jesus gets set over and against this way of thinking. Do not store up treasures for yourself, he says somewhere in the Gospels, other than where you heard today. But in today's reading, it seems as though that's what Jesus is talking about yet again, reminding them of the feeding of the multitudes with just a few fish and just a few pieces of bread. But this contrast is somewhat of a mistake, and it's a further mistake to so spiritualize Jesus as to think he had no realistic concern for the actual physical realities and demands of life, including famine. And so it is a false contest, contrast to set up between living responsibly and living with gospel recklessness. In fact, I've seen too many people try to be faithful and in doing so do so much harm by not taking care of their business. The truth is, of course, there is something to loving and living with abandon, as Jesus did. And there's plenty of wisdom in planning for the future. Who among us would truly advise our children not to save up, not to make plans for the future, a future which will undoubtedly have challenges in it? And my original sermon was simply to highlight that, the balance of both wisdoms. In reality, we need both. To love lavishly, but also to plan and save responsibly, especially when it means we could be feeding people because there is hunger all around. And this is one of the points in the commentary provided by the lectionary editor for these very readings, that we should be attending to hunger, and of course we should. Even here, there is so much hunger, whether we see it or not. Did you know that more than 10,000 children in Marin live in food insecure households, 10,000. Even more shocking, 33% of the children in Marin live in households with income insufficient to meet basic needs, a third of the children. How visible is the wealth, how invisible is the poverty. Between 9,000 and 12,000 seniors over 60 live on less than $29,000 a year in Marin. Now, the editor is right uh, in a larger sense, both the Old Testament and the Newer Testament clearly are concerned with feeding those in need. 
And yet Jesus critiqued the accumulation of wealth, but there's a difference between that and somebody storing up grain to feed the people in hard times. In fact, that Old Testament passage is a biblical rationale for a reserve fund if ever there were one. And for his part, Jesus would want us probably not only simply to feed people to question the systems that create the disparity in the first place and the conditions that create the disparity. In that sense, Jesus is clearly not offering a corrective to Joseph, Joseph's contribution to civic planning. And in fact, the texts really aren't about bread at all, at least on the deepest levels. Like the very hungry caterpillar, these stories are about something deeper. For his part, Jesus is criticizing how some people exert power over others. The disciples are caught up talking about bread, and Jesus is trying to teach them on another level. He uses bread language. He says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Beware of the yeast of King Herod. And what you have to know to make any sense of this is that yeast is a symbol for the pervasive corruption found in humanity and in human systems. That's what the scholars tell us about this passage. Yeast is a symbol for corruption. It's not about bread. It's about people taking advantage of power and other people to exploit it for their own well-being when they've been trusted to care for the well-being of the community. Jesus is not the corrective to Joseph, who tries to better the people's state by influencing power. Jesus is the extension of Joseph, the heir of Joseph, who flips power on its head. Perhaps that's why he is known as the bread of life. No, this isn't about bread. It's about people and about power. And we are heirs of both Jesus and Joseph. So let's begin with Joseph to access this deeper meaning of both of these passages, lost on even some who write about them. Joseph draws on a special kind of wisdom when he offers his warning to the Pharaoh. Joseph's knowledge of what's to come comes to him in a dream. Now, we're dismissive of dreams of this culture, but many cultures aren't, and in many times, most cultures weren't. Dreams have long been seen across traditions as a sort of portal to the other world, an access point to the divine, to God, and are thus to be taken quite seriously as a medium through which the divine might speak. Dream consciousness brings us to a different level, whether it's revealing what is deepest inside us or perhaps accessing something that is beyond us and maybe runs through us and connects us. But all our culture is so frenetic and obsessed and addicted with busyness and productivity that we often fail to access that deeper well of wisdom, that greater consciousness which runs through. 
And so many people are running around too tired to have the kind of dreams that Joseph has, but we all can. And in fact, the pandemic for some people has been an occasion to access some of that dream consciousness because some people have been afforded the time and the space to push some things out or to have some things taken and have a room where a greater voice might enter in to parrot Mary Oliver's understanding of prayer. You see, when we're so immersed in doing things the way we've always done them and the way things are, and we so fill our lives, we fail to see that there might be another way of doing it until we're forced to see it or given a gift and a vision to see it. And we've been given a glimpse to see how differently things can be for better or for worse. I mean, before the pandemic, who could have imagined that children would wear masks on their face for over a year, largely without complaint in my experience. I'm not sure I could say the same for all the adults, but the children, yes, compliant, and not a lot of complaint in my experience. Who could have imagined that we could reimagine work as we have? Or that we might actually have choices about doing many things radically differently. And we could reorganize all of society so quickly. We spoke about prayer a couple of weeks ago. And I think part of the maturing prayer life is to move from thinking of prayer uh, primarily as an opportunity to concoct another list for Santa and instead to find ways to carve out space and intention to open up that portal of dream consciousness through which God might reveal intention and will and plan for us. The Christ consciousness, some might call it, in which we recognize through divine inspiration the way in which the divine flows through all things, the sacredness of all beings, and all things. And when you start to be filled with that dream consciousness and to start to see the world with a Christ consciousness, it radically and dramatically shapes who you are, what you do and how you do it, and what you want to be about. It was perhaps through this space created by the pandemic and a a spiritual season of openness that brought someone in the congregation to me just this past week to share a dream of sorts that they have, a dream for us, that Westminster might emerge from this not only as a fairly traditional church that does things fairly well, but rather that we might become in a more expansive sense, a new way of being church, a center of sorts for healing and wholeness, for wellness. Not just wellness in the sense of intellectual stimulation about spiritual issues. Not even wellness in the sense of spirituality alone. Wellness in spirit, wellness in body, wellness in mind. It's made me think that we actually need a whole year to reemerge, not just one week. 
And that whole year should be devoted to thinking expansively about healing, about recovery, about wellness, and what that means in our personal lives, in our corporate lives, what that means in our relationships, what that means in our systems, our economic systems, our political systems, our family systems, our work lives, our neighborhood lives. Sirens keep screeching by as I preach, and what a metaphor for the pain and the unhealth. That's all around us. That is inviting us, that is waiting for us to spring up and say, let's heal together, heal expansively. I wonder what other dreams might be coming up right now if we would be but daring enough to entertain them. Now, those are, that's heirs, that's being heirs of Joseph, the dreamer. We are also heirs of Christ. Heirs of Jesus, who walk through the world with Christ consciousness. And we can, too, learn to see things the way Jesus saw them. And because Jesus so clearly accessed this greater consciousness that so many call Christ consciousness, he was able to clearly recognize things for what they were. And so when he saw corruption, he called it out. He named it as a way of naming it was made for something better. He saw that people in the world are hungry, like people here are hungry. But they're not hungry for dough, even though they think that's what they're hungry for. They're hungry for the bread of life. But because of what they think, people build systems around trying to get as much dough as they can to create scarcity around it so they can own it and control it and sell it back to you at an unfair price and maintain control. But Jesus, with his Christ consciousness, his way of seeing things differently, stands in contrast because he offers a manna that is free. It's free and it's not diminished when it's shared, just like the fishes and the loaves stories. It's multiplied. There's more left over than when it began, because in Christ's economy, you can have as much bread for the journey as you need, as you need for the transformation, because it honors the fact that the transformation required of us, if we are to grow up, takes energy, takes real nourishment. And if we only fill our lives with junk food, we will never get the growth we truly yearn for. And that brings me back to Eric Carle. If you've read The Very Hungry Caterpillar, you'll, you'll remember that after all that eating, the growing caterpillar gets a stomachache. But did you know Carle didn't write that part? And never really agreed to it and never agreed with it. But his publisher insisted on it. There had to be a consequence for all that eating, and heaven forbid there were sweets in there. A child must learn to be guilty for that. Talk about failing to see with Christ consciousness. Talk about thinking the book was about bread, about food when it is about something deeper. Talk about being so a part of the toxic diet culture and body shaming that the publisher is worried about the waistline of a child when Carl's trying to communicate about spiritual nourishment and growth and transformation, 
The publishers so locked in that world that they couldn't imagine that there might be another world to inhabit. The publisher missed the point entirely. Thought it was about food. The book is not about gluttony. It's about a journey toward metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, change. Change which is hard. Growth which takes energy. Carl's way of seeing was right. You need a lot of nourishment if you're going to grow. Don't try and take it on after starving yourself. Good Lord, we've been telling people to starve themselves for too long and they're listening. So we can market something back to them. Shame on us. The good news is that there is an seemingly endless supply of true nourishment for us. And we can partake of it without guilt or shame, this manna of heaven, and it will lead to real growth. So the caterpillar knows this and does this and feels no shame until it's imposed upon him or her and then enters into that most sacred time, cocoon time. I wonder if it's cocoon time for you right now. And I'm surprised Carl's publisher, on whom I'm being a little hard right now, but I'm surprised that they didn't make the cocoon time more productive. Maybe in the cocoon, to align with the culture's values, the caterpillar could produce a few papers or at least get some exercise on, on a, a bike or whatever caterpillars ride. Could do something uh, to, worthwhile with that time rather than being so lazy. But no, the caterpillar prevailed as did Carl and resisted the profession, the, the pressure to perform and always be on display and be doing things for others to see and make things for others to have. No, the caterpillar pulled in and closed down and let the growth happen in a safe, quiet, and private place so that when it was time and time comes on its own, it could emerge as a butterfly. A butterfly, which is an old, old image for the resurrection. And people, we are called to be the resurrection. Born again with a new consciousness, not returning to the old. A Christ consciousness. Eat your fill. Don't impose on yourself a stomach ache. Don't fall for rotten yeast, corruption and power and exploitation. Opt for the bread of life. Be transformed. Be raised and take flight. Amen.
now receive this benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and every day. Amen.